Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. It is me, Finn. <laughs> All right. We've got two days until the full moon in Virgo, which is then another two days before the spring equinox. So it's a really awesome time of year. I love this time of year. It's a good transition. It's letting go of all that bullshit from winter. I'm really excited for this shift in energy. And Virgo, come on. I love a Virgo. Virgo plus spring equals major healing, focus, growth, feminine energy. It's just a good combo, people. So do something fun this weekend. There's lots of good woo energy. Last week, I spoke with a Follow the Woo fan favorite, John Russell, and I asked him some questions about a spooky farm I visited here in Kentucky in mid-February. He had some interesting advice on how to move forward with our paranormal investigation. So this week, I thought it would make the most sense to have on Megan, the actual resident of that farm, along with historian and paranormal researcher Stephanie Bingham who has been on the show many, many times, as you know. Stephanie invited me to investigate this farm with her, along with our friend Brian, who was also there for this baseline investigation. But he was unable to make this interview. He has been on Follow the Woo, though, on the Hellier recap episodes, in case you're wondering which Brian I'm talking about. So Stephanie, Megan, Brian, and I went out to investigate this farm together, and it felt eerie, definitely. There were all kinds of feelings that we experienced while we were there for the better part of the afternoon, and also some weird shit did happen. But the weird shit has been happening on this farm for a very, very long time. Everything from mysterious missing pigs and dead twin sheep being dug up multiple times to frequent visits from a black ghost dog and a full apparition of a man in a suit. Stephanie, Megan, and I talk about some of the family history of the farm, the weird happenings, theories on what kind of entities we might be dealing with, and how we want to proceed with the rest of our investigation. I have tons of ideas for rituals we could do out on Megan's property, but I might be getting ahead of myself here. Stephanie had to reel me in a bit, and she's right. Before you move into full-on ritual mode, there needs to be a bit more of an observation stage. So you will probably be hearing a lot of updates about this farm over the next few months. Anyway, let's just get into the basics of what I'm just calling the farm. Let's do the woo. I want to start with just you, Megan, and like the background of the farm, how long it's been in your hands, that kind of thing. Maybe even before that, actually, like, <laughs> who are you? What do you do? Do you believe in the paranormal at all? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the farm's been in the family probably back to Civil War times. My great, great 
great grandmother's side of the family. So it's been passed down through the women's side up until my grandfather. But grown up here, it's the middle of nowhere. Certainly <laughs> believe in the spookies because how could you not? Just it's a normal family farm in the middle of Kentucky until it's not. <laughs> until it's not. So how many acres is it? Remind me. It's a little over 100, like 115-ish. And you live there now with your... My parents. And then right now my younger brother also lives here. Okay. And has everyone in the family who lives currently on the farm had what we've been calling paranormal experiences? I definitely think so. I think my parents, maybe not so much ready to admit that that's what they were, but some unexplained things have happened and they're like, oh, it's a little odd, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. They sort of just brush it under the rug. Yeah. Where exactly is it in Kentucky? It's in the Marion Nelson County line. So it's kind of dead center of the state back in a holler. It's pretty much exactly dead center of the state. And for the listeners who don't know what a holler is, (laughs) what is that? It's between two knobs, which knobs are kind of foothills-ish of a mountain. So not quite a foothill, not quite a hill, somewhere in between the two. Some people call them ridges. But yeah, it's just kind of back in between a couple of them. So it's like a valley kind of. Yeah, pretty much. But smaller. Yeah, definitely. And it usually has like kind of a trail that you can get out of. So it doesn't completely close off, but it's just in between two ridges or knobs. Now, is the whole farm considered a hauler? How does that work? Or is it just a part of it? Yeah, the whole farm sits down in that hauler. Parts of it do reach up to the top of the knob, but yeah, it's all pretty much basically down at the in the valley. And Stephanie, the livable quick, part, the livable. Okay. And Stephanie, is is it common for weird shit to happen in haulers in Kentucky and other hauler areas? I can't speak for a lot of other places, but I know in Kentucky, I've seen a lot of very strange things in haulers, especially when you go out towards eastern Kentucky, because there's a lot of caves and mines and mine shafts and things like that up there. And that seems to sort of attract things. Mm -hmm. Do you work on the farm, Megan? Like, does your family work that farm? And is that all your jobs? Yeah. So it's been a working farm all the way back, you know, it's kind of changed out what it was, you know, it's had to pigs, tobacco, all that right now. It's currently a sheep operation. So we raise hair sheep. It's not all of our full-time job, but we all work on the farm for sure. And it's primary source of income for the family. So it's a very much worked farm. A few minutes ago, you said you do believe in the spooky because like, yeah. <laughs> at this point you have to, but I mean, were you always like that or were you just convinced by the happenings on the farm? Well, I mean, we were raised like pretty strict Christian as kids and you know like ghosts aren't real none of that's real you know it's all bedtime stories but just kind of as you get older the more stuff that keeps happening you're like I I can't be imagining all these things either these things are actually happening or I am insane and I need to be committed kind of things Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you start seeing people following you around something's up yeah (laughs) full-grown sheep just poof disappear you know You, you have to start acknowledging that something else is going on Yeah. And when was the first time something weird happened on the farm? Oh, I mean, I remember being like four or five years old and being like, I hear pigs squealing. There's no pigs around. 
And then like it being late at night and be like, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody walking around in the yard. No, you know, obviously no one's walking around in the yard at four o'clock in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, ever since I was really little, just like weird things would happen. You're just kind of like, um, well, maybe I imagined it, but the more it keeps happening, I'm like mm, probably didn't. <laughs> and have you had an increase in paranormal activity recently? Like, is that why we came out to visit that one day? Not hundred percent sure if it's been an increase or it's just like more aware of things happening, but it definitely seems like there's been a lot more things happening the last couple of years. Mm. And again, your parents aren't really acknowledging that as paranormal. They're just like, eh, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of just, oh, it's odd. And so, how about your brother? Oh, he's like, something. something's going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your grandfather's blowing up again. Cause I feel like that's important. <laughs> Our farm sits at the bottom of that holler. And then on top of the knob, my grandfather and his friend who later became my other great, great grandfather ran a moonshine still together. So their farm sat on either side of the knob. They kind of met on top of the knob to run a moonshine still. So it was my great grandfather on my father's side. So his father's father and his mother's father were running moonshine together and one day the still just blew up <laughs> as they sometimes would do but both my great-grandfather's being killed in the still is kind of what led to my grandparents meeting so me ending up on the farm kind of goes back to that it's just one of those random things that it happens but it was just kind of odd that that's kind of how my family came to be <laughs> mm-hmm. so both great-grandfathers went up in smoke and i know you're repeating this from when we came out yeah. And I think it was February 15th. I think I asked you like, is it possible to blow up in that, in those situations? And there is a very heavy duty, like fire element to that whole process, right? Yeah. I mean, you're making alcohol, so you've got a highly volatile solution that you're creating. There's a lot of heat. You have open fire that you're cooking this over top. So it wasn't uncommon for them to blow up, but you know, it didn't happen every day. Yeah. Do you feel like that sort of bizarre experience that happened, especially since it's your, both of your grandfathers. (laughs) I mean, that is unusual. Yeah. Do you think that there is something about that area, specifically where they were up in that knob, that's a little creepier than maybe some other areas of the farm? I definitely think so. It's like when you go up there, it's just got this weird, like something's watching you, you know, you'll hear whistling and things like that. So it just doesn't feel like the most comfortable space it's like when you're actually in the crater, like where it happens, it just feels like there's chaos. Like you're in the middle of it happening when you walk up there, even to this day. So it's just, it's an odd place to be. And I don't know if it was always an odd place or if that happening caused it to be an odd place. Well, I think Stephanie has a theory about that <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to hear. Well, my family's just cursed. <laughs> I mean, I have a theory about it too. Before we get into it, into it, I feel like it was already weird there. Yeah. And then that sort of like was just the icing on the cake kind of. Yeah. Maybe it added to it. I mean, it could be any number of things. Like maybe your grandfather's like decided to hang around for a while. Maybe they didn't have a choice. Like, I mean, there's so yeah. you could like a thousand different scenarios you could come up with. But since I've been on the farm, I do feel like there's something old there. I don't know what it is yet, but (laughs) I do want to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, what do you think? About the moonshine incident? Do you think it's an old 
energy that's been there? Or do you think the moonshine incident caused the weirdness? No, there's something that is much, much older up there. Something that is a something and not a someone specifically. So I think whatever it was, was there a long time before whatever happened there happened. Do you think it's more than one something? I do. I think there's several up there. So has any weird shit happened since February 15th that we need to be updated about? <laughs> um, I mean, nothing like super notable going outside at like four o'clock in the morning or so. It's just like, oh, people are watching me. There's something out here or just like bad vibe. Like I probably shouldn't go outside at this point in time. Come on, dog. Let's go potty and go right back in the house right now. Kind of situations. But I mean, there's not been the black dog that would occasionally show up in the middle of the road has been back once since y'all were out here. But nothing like super notable that I can remember at this point. It's just other than like the pretty consistent weird vibes outside mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. There, you are a very brave woman. I would be like, <laughs> I'm getting an apartment out of this holler, fuck <laughs> this place. But I mean, I realize it's been your home and it, it's also got a lot of good memories and vibes tied to it. But just as soon as it gets dark, I imagine you're like, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, it's not the funnest thing to go outside. <laughs> yeah. No, because <laughs> you because you just brought it up, I want to go back to the black dog. Do you want to explain to the listeners what that story, that experience that you keep having <laughs> is? Yeah, uh, there's just randomly a black dog that will just show up in the middle of my road, like right at my property lines, just sits in the middle of the road. And it's like, it's a dog, but it's also like, mm, I don't think it's really a dog because it just stairs doesn't move you can get as close as you want to it you're with the car and it will just sit there doesn't acknowledge you. it just stares eventually it'll get up walk away but this all started after we had a crazy man <laughs> move back into the woods past our house into an abandoned basically hobo jungle that he created um when he got out here he was decently normal you know an alcoholic decently normal I love decently that. normal <laughs> an alcoholic who was just like I'm getting away from the world and then just as he was out here just kind of like descended into madness got very violent hated me tried to jump in front of my car all the time would scream and yell at me and he had a dog that would walk with him everywhere he went and this and is a neighbor back, yeah he like lived past our house back into the hall or even further during the winter of 2020, like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, just drank himself to death, died on the side of the road. Someone had taken his dog with them after that estate kind of got settled out. So the dog was gone. And then one day it just shows up in the middle of my road, <laughs> just so the blocking black, my way to get home. So the black dog that you see now currently, it feels like it was his black dog that was like actually it alive. Looks, yeah, like it looks exactly like his dog. But when you just look at its face, it's just like no one's there. Mm. It doesn't act like anyone's like it's just kind of like it's in a trance almost. Did the dog's eyes glow or anything? Are you get any colors? They're just really like it's solid, like pitch black eyes. So, and you said it'll pop out in front of your car. Do you stay chilling in the car like when that happens? Yeah, I'm not getting out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. I am not moving. No, like I will just sit in my car and I will wait for it to move. I've tried like driving around it before and like it just, it doesn't move. It, it just won't sits. move. No, you can get as close as you want to. And it's like, nope. 
but I, I am not getting out of my car. <laughs> and when you're in your car and you have your lights on, like does when you have your lights on, does it just look like a big black mass that's in the silhouette of a dog? It usually comes out. It's usually still during daylight when it comes out. Oh, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a black, like a lab St. Bernard mix about that size somewhere in there. And it just rock steady. Just no one's home, no expression. It doesn't move. It it just walks into the middle of the road, sits down, and just stares me dead in the eyes. It's like, nope. Okay, so you're saying in the middle of the daylight, a <laughs> black dog that has essentially no face and no distinguishing characteristics except black will stand in front of your car. Yeah, and this has happened like how many times do you think? Oh, at least a dozen, at least. And it's like always right in the same spot, right on the property line. Have your other family members seen the dog? Not since it's been taken away. Not since the guy died. Not since it turned into a ghost dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Copy that. So it seems to be interested in you. Yeah. And the guy absolutely hated me. So, yeah. And do you find that you experience more paranormal activity on the farm? compared to your family or I acknowledge more of it than I do. I know my little brother, cause he spends quite a bit of time like out in the woods hunting. Like he, he feels like he's been watched and stalked and hears the whistling and sees the really funky deer that don't look like they're actually deer. He's seen quite a bit of it in like the fairy circles and he's got some weird things on his cameras. But again, I'm usually the one who's out there in the middle of the night walking the dog. So I'm usually the one who gets to see all the creepy, weird things. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely experienced a lot of stuff and will acknowledge that it's not normal. Whereas my parents blind eye to a lot of it. Yeah. You lied, Megan. You've had a lot of activity since we've been out there. It just hasn't been at your house. That's true. (laughs) Well, maybe it wasn't a purposeful lie because maybe you were thinking I meant just a farm. I was saying, just at the farm, things have been fairly calm. (laughs) But at work, Work. no, work has been. What's happening? (laughs) There's a thing in one of the warehouses that connects between the gift shop and the tasting room. And there's been bottles that have been sitting perfectly still. And all of a sudden, they start rattling. And it's six bottles sitting on the counter. And just one of them is rattling. One of the girls said she was sitting back there. And it felt like something cold climbed into her lap. Uh, another girl had a dream that she was standing in the warehouse and saw the thing that looked like Gollum wearing a peach dress running between the ricks. That is um, specific. Yeah. <laughs> Gollum in a peach dress. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then just like energy surges, like you'll be standing in the gift shop and it's like all of a sudden chaos, like everyone was fine. And all of a sudden they're like all wound up. People are getting like really agitated and then it's just whoosh, all of a sudden calm all of the lights in the gift shop just sit there and flicker all of a sudden and then they stop and everybody's fine. When did this all start happening? Last week it was really bad. There's been something in the tasting area for a while, but the last two weeks it's been really intense. Hmm. Do you have any theories as to why it clicked up a notch in the past couple of weeks? I really don't know like why all of a sudden other than the one girl did have a baby on Tuesday. So I was like, maybe it's just feeding off that like anxiety and that energy, but it's just been two weeks worth of people being insane because of this. Um, you work at a distillery, right? As well. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Which is and also in a sort of a hollow. Yeah. Oh. And so they've had kind of some stuff going on, but all of these things happening at once have been just in the past couple of weeks and it's been like mayhem. Yeah. You would occasionally get like someone's hair pulled or, you know, a glass tips off the edge somewhere, but it's just like kind of spread out. It's been two the weeks. Black of just, bobcat. Like, yeah. The <laughs> random black bobcat. No one real, else noticed. Real one or... I mean, when I say real, that's a complicated question, but <laughs> is it, can you touch it? We did not try to touch it. Okay. This is, this is fair. <laughs> that is fair. Two of us saw it. And so. it looked ethereal or like you could kind of tell that it wasn't of this world. It was just like sticking into the shadows. It was one of those things like out of the corner of your eye, you might've missed it type mm. things. I always hear that. All the time. Yeah. Oh, out of the corner of my eye. Like I, it was like right there. I feel yeah, like I'm I not... thought I was like, did you see that? And she's like, yeah. Was it? That was a bobcat. And I was like, that's what I thought. She was like, well, maybe it was just a dog. Mm, that did not look like a dog. So I mean, like it wasn't enough for us to be like, let's go find it. But yeah, it was do enough your... for both of us. We're like mm, rationalizing what it was. Do your coworkers think that it's paranormal? Like, are they freaked out? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that is a, a yeah. fact. Yes. <laughs> Affirmative. Especially the one who was like, something cold climbed into my lap. And the one who's having dreams about Gollum, they're like totally freaked out about it. One's convinced that she has a demon following her home. Has anybody been dabbling in shit they shouldn't be? Like paranormal stuff, maybe a Ouija board, something, something followed no, them? The ones that have been ex- like experience it, they've both been going through some pretty like tumultuous things in their life. And I feel like maybe it's kind of latching on to their kind of chaotic energy. They've not dabbled in anything that they shouldn't be. Mm. They're just kind of like, well, we're just open to things. But yeah, they've had a lot of chaotic things in their life. Do you think it's related to the farm at all? I don't know. (laughs) Because I know that space has had its own interesting history. It's had a lot of historical haunty things that happened. So I don't know if it was related or not. I really don't. I think Stephanie would have better insight into that. Yeah, I was going to say, Stephanie, what do you think? One of the things that is at the distillery has a familiar sort of form to it. The one that they're calling the golem looking thing. That sort of sits and watches and creeps people out and feeds on them. And there is something very much like that at your farm, but I'm not sure that they are one in the same or just like first cousins. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just related. (laughs) It's It's a holler. It's fine. I'm new to these haulers, so is it fine? (laughs) Is it fine? That's the question. Stephanie, I want to know from your perspective, before we get into like the actual things that are going on to the farm in depth, how do you know Megan and how did this all come to be where you were like, oh yeah, some weird shit is happening on this property. So Megan and I worked together at a different haunted distillery. And when she came in, I had already sort of established myself there as the one you came to when strange things started happening. She started having strange experiences at the distillery, and we sort of bonded over uh, the ghost warehouses, you know. As you do. Do you feel like you trust each other's experiences in the paranormal? Yeah. Because when I went out with you and Brian, he went out with us. He's been in a couple previous episodes with Stephanie and we all went out together. And I felt like you, Megan and Stephanie had this 
connection that I was sort of watching. And then I felt like energetically, I kind of popped into that. One thing I felt like I noticed was that you two really seem to, you don't even question it at all. You really just trust what the other person says. And and yeah, that's okay. I, I, I believe you. I definitely feel like Stephanie's been kind of the person to be like, no, like what you're experiencing is not of the normal. Like she's been kind of just validating all the things that I'm like, Oh, this is just kind of weird that's happened for the last my entire lifetime so anything she says I'm like okay <laughs> yeah because you're the only person who's like been able to validate I tell you something but you already knew that I would put a lot of that to like during the pandemic she and I worked together doing hand sanitizer for quite some time <laughs> so we were sort of we were, we were making hand sanitizer so we were in like our own little bubble and so for like the first, what, three, four, five months of that, we were in our own little bubble. And so we would go out to haunted places. Like we went to uh, Mothman, we went to Waver- or we went to a lot of Waverly Hills, things like that. And I think that really was sort of an interesting thing to just see how her perceptions mirrored mine in places that were truly high strangeness. Stephanie, you have a background in the paranormal. Obviously, the listeners already know that. So I understand why Megan would trust your judgment, but why do you trust Megan's judgment when it comes to the weird? Because I've seen what she's seen. All the things that she's ever reported to me, I could validate on my own. I have seen similar things. And the ones that I couldn't give a one-to-one validation on are close enough to other things that I've had happen to me in the past that it is within fully the realm of possibility. So. Yeah. And I talk to a lot of people about this stuff all the time through the podcast. And a lot of people you don't get to hear because I'm like, I'm not going to talk to them on the (laughs) podcast. I thought right away, Megan, when you started talking about when I started asking you questions and you were answering them, I did not feel like you were embellishing at all. I think it felt very matter of fact. And I think that I appreciate that when it comes to this stuff, because it's you know, you didn't, you didn't even like act super afraid. You were just kind of like, Nope, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, it was very, <laughs> everything was matter of fact, even when you were, when you were afraid at this point, it's just like, eh, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I'm just happy that someone else is like, Oh yeah, that's, that's an odd place to go. No one, it doesn't feel good over there. So, and Stephanie, how many times have you been to the farm? Do you think? Twice. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. I thought you had been there way more times Mm-mm. and both times have been equally weird. Would you say? Absolutely. They've both been crazy. The first time I went out there was specifically for the petting of the baby goat sheep. Like I went there to pet sheep and I got, you know, <laughs> much more than I expected to at that point. I wasn't expecting it to be that active. So when I got out there and really into the field and started noticing the things around the pond specifically was the place for me that I was like, this, this place is active. That's, it was surprising. You were like, I'm just here to pet the baby animals. What the fuck? (laughs) What is that thing? Literally, (laughs) literally. I honestly didn't know what to expect when I came out there and I wasn't like hit over the head with anything big, but I also came at a a time when I was like dealing with a lot of stuff. So I was kind of preoccupied. Also, it could just be, I need to go out there more and get a little bit more comfortable with it. I think it might be like a process. Well, I do have baby goats that are ready to be pet. (laughs) 
Yes. Well, I, that, that was <laughs> yeah, that was me very politely inviting myself back. Well, so okay, so Stephanie, you immediately when you came to the farm, you were like, "Baby goats are so great," but look at all of this other high strangeness happening. Did you feel like at that time you wanted to investigate further, or were you just like, "Oh, that's just another weird space"? So, at the point when I went out to play with the baby goats. There was something very strange going on at the distillery. And frankly, I only want to deal with an inhuman issue of a certain level one at a time. <laughs> That's fair. So at that point, I was not willing to poke what was on her farm until something else settled down. Now, that begs the question. Now that that entity, I presume, is Palmer, would you be interested in investigating the the this entity or entities on the farm. Would I poke with on Megan's farm? Absolutely. Okay. So just remember Megan, I live here. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, <laughs> Megan, do you want to poke what is on the farm? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I just have to live here. So <laughs> as long sense. as I can continue to do that. Sure. Why not? I'm on I the need- farm, not in the house. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> Stephanie and I would have to work together on that, but that's mostly Stephanie's thing. She, I feel like you would do a better job of making it a safe space. So you guys both had different experiences. Megan, you talked about the dog. I know there's more to like people living in that house that burned down. And then there's the fairy circle. And then there's that spot in the bank that you were like, Mm-mm, I'm not going any yeah. further. That feels weird. Where shall we start? I guess last summer, I was walking my dog, middle of the night, because of course, <laughs> pitch black. And just kind of like out of the corner of my eye, I saw some guy, just like a guy in a suit, went into the house, shut the door. He wasn't there. Okay, fine. Couple days later, same thing, walking the dog. This time he was on my porch, like he was following me, oh, no. but not really, like you like couldn't really get a full look at him until like you turn around and then it's like a guy in like a work suit, like 1930s, 1940s-ish, but like a full dude, probably in his 30s, somewhere around in there. Just some dude <laughs> walking the dog in the middle of the night. My older brother was like, oh, that was totally one of your grandpas, 100%. And I was like, well, maybe he didn't say anything, so... <laughs> But it's every now and then you'll catch a glimpse like out of the corner of your eye in the middle of the night of just some guy, probably in his 30s, maybe 40s from the 1930s or 40s, somewhere in there. Have other people seen him? Not that anyone has told me. And he's dead, you presume? Yeah. He's he's dead. dead. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's not like a real solid person, you know, like you could tell that. Did he freak you out or were you like, oh, that's familial? Um, I mean, it wasn't like get in the house now kind of situation, but it was kind of like, okay, we're heading inside now. Like I had my dog with me, didn't even register to her. Interesting. And she was a puppy. Yeah. I was going to say she was, she was a very small dog. (laughs) Yeah. Stephanie, what do you know about that? Like, I, I feel like I I have heard many people say that their animals see ghosts, but then I wonder, have you had experiences where animals are just oblivious to them? 
every animal I've ever had has been able to see them. But when I'm picking out an animal, I generally look for that in them because I like them to confirm that I'm not crazy when I'm having a bad day. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're not getting like the himbos of the, of the, (laughs) the pets. Yeah, no, it's not my goal. Do you think Megan that there might, and Stephanie, do you think that there might be a possibility that there's a portal situation happening on the farm? Not until you said that. Well, I'm just wondering because my first thought was that like, maybe he was entering, you know, and it was a glitch or something, but also it could just be that he is your great grandfather. So I I didn't think of that first. That's probably because (laughs) I'm like real down in the weird. Let me bring this up too. My older brother, he says that there is a portal of vortex or something behind the house going up the knob because he's an Eagle Scout. Like he knows, supposedly knows how to hike safely. But every time he would go through that space, he would end up somewhere completely different every time. Different amount of times would go by. You know, he would think he'd be walking for 20 minutes and he'd end up miles, miles down the road. But I've never experienced that. So I don't know if he's just really bad at navigating <laughs> or <laughs> get yourself a GPS. Yeah. So do you think you walk in the same spot? You never come out the same spot twice. Now, have you tried to do like what he's done, like in the same vicinity? I've not tried to just because I'm like, well, I don't want to get lost. (laughs) Um, But I could definitely, it's not something I'm like, no, you're just real. Like I would believe it. He's not one to just bend the truth like that for no reason. Yeah. And he's another one that's like something really has to like happen before he will acknowledge it. I mean, sometimes it's helpful, right? When you're going through something to have somebody like that, have an experience because then you're like, oh, I definitely believe them Yeah, because he would never say anything unless it really did happen. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, he should know how, like he should know how to hike. Eagle Scout lived in this area his entire life. And every time he'd walk in, he'd come out somewhere totally different sometimes miles away. Hmm. That is interesting. And it makes me think of a possible portal, but also maybe just Faye time space continuum stuff. But then that also could be, those aren't mutually exclusive. So, I mean, it could be both. It, it also sounds like the missing four one one thing. The kid goes missing at one place, appears miles down the road when they finally find them in a short period of time. And he's again, fine. could be tying back into the others. Yeah, is aren't they usually fine when they find no. them? Oh, a they're lot, not fine. In missing four and one, a lot of the times they're dead, but uh, sometimes they are alive. And generally, when they are, they can't tell you how they got there. I heard recently that there is this re- recurring situation where kids get lost, and when they when they're found, strangely in some weird place, like same situation as the four one one, they are like, "What's wrong? Like, what? Everything's fine." And it's like they have, there's nothing, no bruises. It doesn't look like they've been handled at all. And they just think they've been gone for five minutes or something. That sounds very fake to me. Same. Yeah, definitely. And Stephanie, I think you said when we were walking more than once, I was like, well, what do you think that is? And it was just, you kept saying, I think it's all fake. Do you still think that? I do think. I do think a lot of it out there is Faye or would be the North American equivalent of Faye. 
it's very old, it's very nature-based, and I think it follows some of the same rules as traditional Celtic fae. Not like Peter Pan, Tinkerbell sort of fairies. We're talking about the ones that might steal your children. Or could look like a goblin. Or could look like a goblin, exactly. (laughs) You know, you don't follow them, you don't take food from them, and you don't tell them your name. These are, you know, the basic rules. Yeah, don't say thank you. Um, yeah learning never give your name (laughs) never give your name yes my name is (laughs) you can call me exactly (laughs) so would you say Megan that the man on the porch is the creepiest thing like how does that rate next to the dog um it's definitely lower than the dog like I don't feel unsafe I've never felt unsafe with him. The dog that's like, I absolutely will not get out of my car. Like, please go away. I don't know why that just like completely freaks me out. But that's the thing. That's the that's the kryptonite is the dog. Mm-hmm. The weird, like someone is watching you feeling. That's the other thing that I'm like, I don't like that at all. Mm, it's awful. I don't like it either. So one area that sticks out, it just popped in my head. So I feel like this is where we should go. When we went to, it was like a little bank kind of area in the stream there. And you, I think that was the spot where you said, I don't really go any further than this. Like you guys can go further. I don't. Why didn't you want to go further? What do you feel when you are in that area? I just like immense dread, like a heavy weight on your chest. Just like, if I go over there, something bad is going to happen. Ever since I was a kid, like you play in the creek all you want it. But as soon as you got to that turn, like, nope you immediately get bad things running through your head like there's a nest of snakes or you're gonna slip and fall you're gonna break your leg like there's just bad things over there you don't go over there it's just like immediate almost anxiety when you get to that point after I walked with a headache stomach doesn't feel good just it's not good yeah and I think so you're kind of saying like when you were younger that was an area that might have had things that were dangerous that like put in your mind that it could be a fearful spot you know you could play anywhere in that creek and it never occurred to me that there might be you know a nest of snakes but as soon as I got to that corner like that was the first thing that came to my head I was like no there's there's gonna be snakes over there I'm gonna slip and fall and break my leg or I'm gonna drown like it was as soon as you got to that point it was just like anything that could have possibly happened that's when it started running through your head and for the record listeners <laughs> we all had I'm pretty sure definitely Brian and myself I I can't remember what was going on with you two, but I did not feel good. I got like dizzy. Brian was just like holding the camera kind of like lopsided. And I was like, Brian, are you all right? How did you guys feel when we were in there? Did you have physical ailments, so to speak? I got a headache like when we were over standing in there. And I felt like I couldn't stay upright. Like I felt like I was leaning. When I was back there, I was feeling cold air coming up. Like you find still from the entrance of the cave. I was specifically looking for that. And it felt like the closer I got to that bank looking for the source of that cold air, I didn't get a headache. I didn't feel anything like that. There was a pressure energetically. But that's also where I was standing when I heard something in the woods growl. Oh, that is right. I I didn't forget, but it sort of was at the back of my mind. That was very distinct. And we all heard it. Yes. And actually, yeah. listeners, in case you think we're bad shit or that we're lying to you, we actually took video footage of this so we can dig it up someday. 
and replay that, slow it down, play it over and over again. But it was like our oh, that might that might not be <laughs> accurate, but it was it was a growl. Kind of like a frog. Yeah, that sounded like amphibian. <laughs> so that happened. And then there was another sound, wasn't there? Right in that area. Was it like a clicking or it wasn't just the growl? There was something else. There was a large sort of I would almost call it a sort of knocking sound or a snapping sound, like a tree. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was. We have to, you know, keep in mind that there are critters. We're in the woods, but it was daylight and the growl was very close to us. And, and it was February. And it was February. A good point. And fairly cold that day. I mean, it wasn't, it was like, I think we picked that day partially because it was a little warmer. I've lived in the woods before on 45 acres of land. And that's not something you just hear right there. It's like a growl while you're like walking in a stream. Yeah. If you hear a growl and it's not followed by the sighting of an animal, it's a little odd. Yeah. That's what I found odd. And then also it was a clear area. Like you could see all around you. So if we looked in the you know, the 360 shot of like where that growl could have come from, there was nothing there. And it was loud enough that it should have been pretty close. I kept thinking it was like in that brush, the area that was like in the stream there that we couldn't get into. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like nothing ever moved over there. Nothing Mm -hmm. other than the noise standing over top of that when the growl happened and the growl happened like when I heard it it sounded like it was coming from my left which was further up into the woods behind us so I find it odd that people were hearing it from different directions though yeah that is weird it's a bit unsettling and then there was (laughs) the cold you mentioned Stephanie and I totally felt that I mean like right away you could feel it coming up and I thought some of that might have come from just the stream itself but it it did feel similar to like if you walked into a mine or, or a cave or something. I've spent a lot of times crawling around in the woods, specifically finding those little spots of cold. And it always happens that when you feel those, if you dig around enough, you will find even a tiny opening and it will be a small cavern. But there's always something that it comes from. It's always one of those in my experience. So was there a creature in a cave underneath us is the question. I don't like that option. (laughs) No, no one does. (laughs) I really find it fascinating that everybody had a physical response though. Stephanie, less so for you. You had just like a feeling of pressure, but to be fair, you probably have the most experience with paranormal energies. It takes a lot for them to sort of get me in the same way that I would expect, you know, it to hit me again. So, yeah. And did we come out there because you were like, Megan, you were like, oh, I want this to be figured out because there's a lot of stuff going on and, and it's kind of freaking me out and I want somebody to get to the bottom of it. Or were you just like, here, come see the weird shit. I I mean, I guess I kind of want to just like to validate that like there is actually something weird there because like my entire lifetime we've gone to that place and I've never liked it even as a kid like I'd make any reason to not have to go to that space so it's just kind of like do you all can you all see this is it also weird for you or am I just insane at this point because it's just this one spot that like consistently I don't like this spot besides that spot and then these 
apparitions that you're seeing, there's also physical stuff that's happening. And I, that's where we started, which was the missing pigs. And then the incident with the two sheep goats, you have to tell these stories. (laughs) We kept pigs at one spot, had a pen. Yeah. I mean, it's your standard pig pen and then they would just be gone. And it's, you know, the gates are closed. We can't find a hole in the fence. They're just poof, gone. (laughs) There's not tracks, nothing. And I mean, it's a a full grown pig. Like you can't just walk off with that. There would have been people's tracks or pig tracks or trailer tracks, something. And the gates are like three layers of gate. Did the pig climb a tree? You know, at that point, (laughs) there's no rational explanation (laughs) of what happened to these pigs. Well, how much do those pigs weigh? Oh, easy. When they're 400, 500 pounds. Like they're massive pigs. I'm not picking one up. Yeah. <laughs> they're huge. Like you, you can't physically just pick a pig up at that point. <laughs> no. <They're... laughs> Come here, honey. I can't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're not like pot belly pigs. They're not pet pigs. They're pigs meant to be eaten. So they're huge. Let's just stay with the pigs for a second. So did they all disappear at one time? No, it was like one at a time. <laughs> One at a time. And how many do you think you had in there? I know at one point we had five. And did your family decide to stop replenishing the pigs when they kept disappearing? Yeah. Finally, after it got down to two, we were like, all right. And so, and then you got down to two and were you able to actually like butcher those pigs or did they disappear as well? We did take the last, the very last two that we ever had, we were able to like take off, but we had started out with three. At one point, they were all gone, and then we got the five, and then we got down to two, and then we're like, okay, we need to get rid of these before they all disappear, too. You had already said this, but just to reiterate for the listeners, like, this, it's, well, I saw it. It's a big ass gate, first mm-hmm. of all, and this is a working farm, so there's also, like, a sheep dog that's up there mm-hmm. that would probably run down, and if there was some kind of creature, you know, messing with the gate or something, or even a human. He's going to make it known. And there were locks on the gate, right? Or at least chains that go around. Yeah, it. there's there's chains that wrap like around a post and through the gate. So like, yeah, you have to work at it to get it open. So it's either an entity or a human, right? Well, how in the hell would a human do that? The easiest way would be to take like a truck and a trailer, open the gate, load the pigs up. But if someone's going to steal pigs, you're not just going to take one. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense to me to just steal one pig just take all of them would you hear Um, that they're what like wouldn't you hear if a truck came up with the yeah like that's the other thing like if someone goes by in a truck with pigs on it you're gonna know because those pigs are not quiet they're gonna be screeching and screaming and you would definitely see a truck with pigs on it and you would also see truck tires and things like that the other way human can take it is if they like walk the pig out which i'm not saying is impossible but these were not show pigs. These were not <laughs> pigs that they'd been handled. They were going to go where they wanted to go. So, and also probably make a lot of noise. Yeah, pigs are not quiet. Yeah. So, so either option because the the pig pen is relatively close to where you guys live, the house that you live in. It's highly unlikely that that would happen. What do you think the percentage chance is that it could have been a human? I mean, unless they happen to catch it when no, absolutely no one was at home, a 20% chance. I mean, that's being very generous. Is there usually somebody at home at all times at the farm? Yeah. Yeah. So 
I have heard of missing farm animals before. This is not uncommon. Obviously you've heard of cattle mutilations and things like things yeah. like that, but then there's also been a ton of cases where the farm animals were just like deuces and they yeah. cannot figure out why. And what's so weird about this one, right. Is that you said there was no carcass anywhere. So it's not like they died somewhere up on a hill, somehow the gate got open and you found them later. It's just like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like we've had things get out before we had pigs get out, but you could always track them Mm -hmm. in some way. There was always tracks or feces or a hole in the fence or a wall over they'd laid. And we just never could find anything like that. And when did you say this was start started happening? 2009 was the first summer that we had the pigs where they kind of dwindled. And then I think 2015 was the last time we had pigs. So you tried so, again and you were like, oh, it's happening again. So fuck this. Yeah. So we're like, all right, we're, we're done before we lose them all. Yeah. Stuff that I'm reading about people having farm animals disappear. It's usually aliens is what they think it is. Like <laughs> extraterrestrial. It's not ultra terrestrial. Yeah. And I know that Stephanie does not like that. <laughs> she does not like that nope, idea. Nope, she don't. I'm sort of one to think that aliens and and fae and ultra terrestrials, they're all kind of of the same thing. But I am curious about the relationship between UFOs and missing cattle, pigs, sheep, whatever. Have you ever thought that, Megan, that it's that it feels like there's an alien presence? like? I have not. That's actually like, one of my sisters. Now <laughs> sister I am, you bitch. <laughs> Since we were little, my sister, she was always the one who's like way more accepting of the possibility that there's something there. She's like always like Bigfoot is in our yard. Like Bigfoot is there. She at one point, about the same time that we had the last batch of pigs. She swears up and down that there was a UFO come flying across the yard and that she saw lights and things like that. And I've never been like, maybe it was alien. (laughs) That Mm. wasn't ever anything that really crossed my mind. But I know my sister is like, it it totally is aliens. Yeah. I mean, there has been some correlation. It's pretty shoddy though. Like, I I don't know. There has been some correlation between a UFO sighting and a missing cow or a sick cow or something like and then mm-hmm. happening in a really you know within like five minutes of each other but nobody else on your farm has ever seen a ufo no and it's not like that night she saw the ufo and the next morning the pig was gone right it okay, wasn't so like that wasn't, yeah yeah and do we trust this is your sister yeah <laughs> so we don't trust her as much <laughs> i mean not during that time period i don't know that i would that's fair. There may or may not be UFOs, but we're leaning toward probably not. <laughs> I was going to say, at that time period, I don't know if she was much of a reliable source on anything. Understood. But now as a kid, though, I mean, like, she's definitely, she was like, she would have nightmares that Muzzy, that big green foreign language video teacher, she's like, that's what lives in our woods. <laughs> oh, God. So that, that might have been terrifying. more reliable. Before we move on to the sheep goats or the goat sheep, Stephanie, what do you think about the pigs? Do you have a theory? I lean towards cryptid for the pigs. I really don't know what else could be doing it or why you would take a single pig's face out like that. 
unless you're taking it to eat it and you're a large carnivore of some sort that can eat on a pig for a while. But then where would the carcass be in a different dimension? I don't know if I go for the dimension theory with the cryptid so much as this is a holler. There are caves. There are, you know, ravines that you can't get into any other way. It's going to have a den somewhere. Bears aren't common in the area, but when they are in the area, do sleep in them. So, I mean, there's going to be places where large predators can hide. So I would lean towards something like that. And maybe the cryptid itself isn't even on the property so much as just coming through to get a snack every now and then. <laughs> Big snack. Big snack. Big snack. Is there a non-cryptid animal that could eat a pig like that? That would eat a pig like that? Sure, but not one that's going to be able to carry it away. Exactly. It doesn't account for like getting the fence open and all that and like, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. But I guess lots of animals would eat it if it, if it was there and it was injured or something. But could one hunt it, I guess. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, like, coyotes aren't huge hunting animals. They're more opportunists, but they could. They could. Okay, so, like, together yeah. as a pack, they if they could get in there, they could do that. But obviously that's not happening because there's no trace of the pig. Yeah. So then tell me about these sheep, goat, sheep. Can we so, just explain to the listeners why they're called that? So they are sheep, but they shed so they're not big fluffy fuzzy sheep like you picture sheep they look more like a goat they're a sheep that doesn't have a whole lot of fur <laughs> and they have goat eyes yeah they do have goat eyes which is that's Creepy. unsettling all of you <laughs> yeah, unsettling <laughs> yeah we will get a ram every year and the rams are potentially up to a little over 300 pounds or so and we've had a few of them that are solid white just disappear (laughs) can't find them anywhere one day they're there the next day no idea where they went all the other sheep are accounted for there's not blood in the pasture there's not carcasses again we can't find anywhere where it would have gotten out because if it gets out then all the others are going to get out and everybody else is still there it's just the one solid white ram gone it's only the white ones only the solid white ones have been the ones that have disappeared my red one stayed forever (laughs) So whatever it is, like pigs and rams, apparently, do you think as far as the rams go, like at that point where your parents, like, what were their theories? The first time I witnessed and they're like, why would the crazy drunk neighbor steal our ram? That was their first. And then they found out it wasn't him, right? Yeah. I'm like, first of all, there's no reason why he would. Also, that ram was mean. If you went into his field, he would chase you down. And I'm like, the gate's locked. Like, there's there's no evidence to say that he just walked away. There's, again, no prints, no hoof prints, no people prints. The gate is locked. He is just gone. When did they start disappearing? The first one disappeared 2014, winter of 2014. So right before you got the new batch of pigs in 2015. Yeah. And, and then the most recent one went missing last year. Well, you have to have rams, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's, we get a new one every year so that we're not like crossbreeding or anything like that. So we get a new ram every single year. So it's it's never been like, it's kind of like, well, we were going to get rid of him anyway. He's always gone before we go get rid of him. 
Can you sell rams back? I mean, what would you do with them if... Yeah, they're used for breeding. So it's usually like we sell a ram to someone else who's looking to just kind of change out their bloodline. So you kind of just trade them around to different people, different farms. Whenever we get a solid white one, he never gets to go to his new home. That's even weirder, I think, to me than the pigs because the sheep dog is all up in with the sheep. Yeah, he's in the pen with them. He's like, yeah, this is my jam. And I didn't get to see him up close, but he's big. (laughs) His job is to like, you know, make sure they're all doing their shit. And I imagine he would go ape shit if there was something in there trying to take the ram away. Yeah, like he loves people until you start messing with his sheep. That's his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he takes it very seriously. He does. Bear is a professional. Bear yeah. seems very lovely. I want to meet him next time. Okay. Then there's the two twin goat sheep, right? Tell me about them. Yeah. So last spring, on the first day of spring, I had a set of female twins born. They were black. They're the only set of black twins I'd had born that year. They were born on our compost pile, which is where we take any deceased animals. We bury it in a compost pile just because it's the most kind of environmentally friendly way to dispose of a carcass. And then you can reuse that ground or compost to fertilize other things. So it's just kind of the best way to reuse things. And they were born on top of it, which doesn't bring us like super odd because it's a very warm place. Like I get why the mom would have them there. They were fine. Then they died. <laughs> how, how old are they? When they the co- uh, just a couple days old. Which sometimes that happens with sheep, just unexplainably. They'll just die. I don't know if it's a genetic issue or just, you know, you never know. Just like they're not this most sturdy animal. So they died. I buried them in the compost pile. They did not stay buried. <laughs> they were constantly coming up to the surface. Which again, it's not an uncommon thing for things to dig into the compost pile. It's just kind of weird that they would just bring them up to the surface and then leave them there. Like if it was a possum or something like that, you would think it would eat on it or take it away and it would just leave them there on top of the pile. And this happened several times. What did you name them? I named them Morgan and Sedwin because at the time it seemed appropriate. (laughs) Because of the... Because they were born on the first day of spring on the pile of dead things. (laughs) I now understand that was a bad idea. It could have been. (laughs) We don't know for sure. (laughs) So... Now, these these two twins, Morgan and Sedgwin, this isn't happening anymore. They finally decomposed, right? No, they're, they finally moved on. Okay. But when it was happening, were you just kind of like on the daily, like, okay, I guess I'll just bury them again. And yeah, up until the third time. And after the third time, I was just like, <laughs> I guess they don't want to be buried. How many times do you think it happened? Uh, at least three times. I know that I physically had to rebury them. And they would, like you said, come up to the very top and be untouched. It would just be like, yeah, it was just like, like they had never even been in there. You know, I think about this with stuff like cow mutilations too, because they're so specific, right? Like the eyeball Mm -hmm. is out and it's all like precise and there's no blood. And it's like the fuck, like why though? That's the question. Like why take the goat sheep so cuties and put them at the top and just put them there and then have someone bur- is it just to say hi we're here i mean do you have any ideas on that either one of you i have no clue i thought they were just messing with me honestly who the things the things <laughs> stephanie what better way to feed to bring back the dead like that is causing fear 
you cause the fear, you feed off the fear, you do it again. It's a lovely circle of feeding, but I also think it's a way of things letting people know that they're there. Just kind of saying hi. Hi, I'm here. And, and well, you're going to notice saying this. Hi, as much as saying like, this is our land, you're on it. I would take that as much more sort of a marking of territory. But then if that's true, then why hadn't they been, you know, generations prior been having issues with stuff like this? Or have they, Megan? Did you ever dig into that? I think that this has happened for a while. It's just like, it happens, but we don't talk about it kind of things. Because that's very much my family's MO. (laughs) It happens, but we don't talk about it. There was a pig farm here when my father was growing up because he didn't live on the farm. And when I first uh, started getting livestock and animals, my grandpa was like, oh, well, don't get rabbits because rabbits never live here. Your rabbits are always going to die. And I was like, uh, that's not a normal thing. It was just like, oh, there was always like, oh, it's just bad luck, you know, bad soil. And it's just kind of like, oh, just seems more like something else is here. So you're saying that it's not necessarily just these things have been happening with your parents and you and, and your siblings that it's been going on for probably a really long time and it just hasn't been talked about as much, but there have been clues here and there, like rabbits don't work here. Soil's weird on that spot. So there was a horse that fell in a well that had to be closed up. They leased out a plot of land. Nothing would grow in it. They tried to have a pig farm. Pigs wouldn't produce. I was told I couldn't have, like, you know, it's like, there's a lot of weird things. Okay, well, then that does sound much more like what Stephanie is suggesting, (laughs) which is that they're just like, this is our land. You don't get to have it. And I I honestly wonder why they haven't made it worse for you, if that's the case. Stephanie, why, why do you think they haven't? They're taking offerings. The animals that die, the animals that disappear, things like that. You also have types of farms out there specifically right now that aren't super detrimental to the area. They leave the forest pretty much untouched. They're going out there for hunting and things like that. But Megan's not going there, venturing out into the woods and being like, I'm going to chop down this whole area here and put a house here. So I wonder if it's sort of a balance. They're taking care of the farm when something happens to the farm they don't like. They remove it or perhaps they just want the thing on the farm and take it. But I think it's sort of a, a peace treaty. I know we already talked about how like we're we're game for poking it as long as we <laughs> make sure there's safe spaces for Megan to live there. Do you think, Megan, though, that it's worth investigating further to try to figure out what what it might be? Or do you think your instinct is to leave it alone? Uh, I don't I kind of like Stephanie. Like I feel like there's kind of been like an agreement, like just a very informal, like they've kind of set their boundaries and we just don't really cross them. So I'm like, I don't really want to upset that balance, but I would really like to know what it is and like figure this out a little bit more. Like I don't want to be going into their space. And if I am being like, okay, well I, just tell me and I won't, you know, I kind of like more concrete contract between us. If there is one, I want to know that I'm in a contract, I guess. That's fair. That's what I would want. And maybe the knowledge of how to communicate with them that they, that they would prefer, you know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like you're the kind of person. And I, I think this is a really good thing that you're like, Oh, I want to ban them or I want to exercise them or like push them oh, off no. into. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a good thing. No, like I, I'm fully like I'm fully willing to accept like this is their land. I'm just borrowing my time here. Like that's fine with me. But like I just want to know that. <laughs> yeah, you want to know what the what the house rules are because it's definitely house yeah. rules. You were looking for what land was there, Megan. What land was there specifically? We crossed mm-hmm. a boundary when we were going out that day. The first creek we crossed, you know, the one I'm talking about, back to that back pasture yeah. field. That creek, when we crossed it, I was dizzy. It felt like we were passing between one place into another. And in that next field, there's where I heard something call my name. That was specifically where the activity started, both this time and last time for me. And as long as I can remember, like there's certain areas of like that back pasture where I was like, you don't go back here. Kind of always felt like there's parts there that are off limit. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, Stephanie. Did you feel like the calling of your name was nefarious or did you feel like there was something that you wanted to investigate there? So you know how certain animals are playful, but they're still going to bite you like a cat? (laughs) It felt very much like that. The name was called, you go away from the group, you go away from the group, bad things happen. They might enjoy it, but you probably won't. That's very much what it felt like to me at that moment. Got it. So in that case, let's say we go back and you hear it again. Would your instinct be to move toward it or away from it? Depends on whether or not I'm trying to get abducted by something. You're I like, mean, that's Tuesdays, I get abducted. <laughs> Wednesdays, not <laughs> on so much. Tuesday, exactly. Depends <laughs> on what's calling my name, really. It is never a good idea to go towards something calling your name by yourself, ever. I've had this happen multiple times, and it's always something trying to draw me away from other people to isolate you. And when they try and isolate you, nothing good ever happens. And at that point, when man was calling my name, and there were no men on the farm. The only one there was Brian, and we knew where he was. He didn't do it. And he um, doesn't have that kind of voice either, I don't think. He does not. No, he yeah. does not. This was when we were out there, right? You had mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you yep. said it was a, it was more of a, a deeper voice, wasn't it? It was a very deep voice. And at that point, I had hung behind at the creek to pick up some fossils that I saw. And you guys were half a field across the way in front of me, and I was walking to catch up to you when this thing called my name from back towards the house. Now, if we were all together and it wasn't Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day you <laughs> is off limits for abductions, would you be, would you feel safe enough to go towards something like that if we were together in a pack? It would depend on who the pack contained. You don't want people who are vulnerable in that situation, no matter what. So it would depend on the people entirely. I feel like I might be vulnerable. But then again, Stephanie, you mentioned when we were doing some energetic exchanges that I seem more protected than you anticipated. So I don't Mm -hmm. actually know how vulnerable I really am. I I do think I have some protection. You absolutely do. Different energies react differently together, though. So there are some things that I feel like get through those shields very easily. And so it just really would depend on the energy that was calling at that point. There was also the fairy circle that we chilled Mm -hmm. in a little bit. And that had a really, I think we all agreed that had a really positive feel to it. And for the listeners, this is just like a grouping of trees that are literally growing in a circle. That's what, like, it's not that big. It's like five feet in diameter. It's kind of unusual for the trees to be growing that close together in that shape. Yeah. Next to a little Creek. And we sat in there and all the cats came and hung out, which was very cute. And I felt like we were anticipating it was going to be kind of like, woo, but it was actually solace from all the other stuff that we had gone through. 
Megan, do you feel like that spot is just protected with a different kind of energy or what's your theory on that? That place has just always been the calm, like peaceful. Like when I first moved back on the farm, I was like, this is where I'm going to live forever. Like I immediately gravitated more towards that space. I want my house to be near this because it's just serene, calm, peaceful. Every time you walk down into that little area where the fairy circle sits, it's, it's totally different. It really is. And Stephanie, theories about the energy shift there and why it's so drastic. It's a different creature. It's a different, like what's in the woods and what is there is a starkly different area. And that circle sits in the pasture. It's not the forest. It's not the woods. It is between the goat sheep field and the pig field, but it is an open area. It is softer. It is Still not something you'd want to tread on, but that has a much better relationship with the farm itself than whatever is out in the woods. That makes sense. And there are some other little things too, like compared to what we've just been talking about, they're not little for everyone, I guess, but the scrapes on the trees, there were these unusual markings on the trees and Megan, explain why they weren't normal because there's scrapings on trees all the time, right? Like yeah, so these were down towards the base of the tree um, where the bark had just literally been like rubbed off, which that wouldn't be abnormal if you saw it up higher because deer, they scrape their antlers, they'll, you know, pull off bark to eat it when it gets really bad in the winter times. So like, it's not uncommon to see bald spots on trees, but it's not down at the base of the tree. There's not an animal that would dig into a tree like that. If it was some type of shrew or mouse or something like that, it would have actually like burrowed deeper into the tree. It would have just pulled off the bark like that. So it just was an odd place and it wasn't consistent markings with anything that I would normally see in the woods. Like I, I couldn't place anything that would have done that. Stephanie, do you think that that sounds like it's related to whatever the possible cryptid would be there? I would put that as a more cryptid thing than anything else, especially paired with the branches that were broken at those incredibly high heights in the same area. Oh, yeah. I would think that whatever's doing the breaking of the branches is probably also scraping the trees and also possibly moving some of those things around. Like we found some of the foliage from one part of the property gently set on the bank in another part of the property. So I kind of wonder if maybe that isn't also part of the same thing. And Stephanie, what's your feeling about cryptids in relation to the Fae? Like, do you, in relation to aliens, where do you think they intersect or do they? I think that there are two distinct types of cryptids. I think that there are the ones that are probably unidentified animals. Yeti being my favorite example of that. I think there is probably a bear in the Himalayas that's being misidentified as a Yeti for generations or just identified as Yeti. And then I think that there's things like, you know, the Loveland Frogman that are probably less tangible. You know, you couldn't walk up and touch them. And I would think that the ones that you couldn't walk up and touch would be in the same vein as some of the cryptid creatures, the Kelpie or the fake creatures like the Kelpie and things of that nature, or more like a Pukwudgie, the native things here. But it's really an odd line to see, especially with the reports on the farm in particular. The sisters' reports of the Bigfoot, the brothers' sightings of the not deer and the whistling and things like that, that go back to other legends. It's a hard place to put those. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking it's a portal. 
I'm just pulling this out of my ass right now, but just kind of like a train station where there would be all different, like a stop where there would be all different kinds of people from different walks of life (laughs) or not people entities, just kind of like in between, it's just an in-between spot. However, I do still think there are entities on that land too, that are there all the time. And they don't seem to, maybe they do go in and out of different dimensions, but it does seem like they're very interested in keeping tabs on what's going on on the farm. Does that feel right to you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, that would definitely make sense because it's always just like, it's weird, like just not consistent things, I guess. There's consistent things and there's just random things too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's a couple of things going on there. That's like, that's connected to this land and it's been there for a long time. And then there seems like all these like wild cards, you know, just like there's this dog and then there's this, this dude that has a suitcase maybe, or he's got a, a, a suit on. It's just, it feels like, where are they all coming from? That's my theory. I don't know if it's real or not. I'd like to find out. And that kind of brings me to the ultimate question, which is we know what the goal is, right? You want to, you want to know how to communicate with them better. You want to know what the contract really entails. If you're making it worse for yourself, if you, if you accidentally would in the future, but if we want to figure that out, what would we do differently when we went back? Well, when Stephanie and I did, you live there. Y'all are welcome out anytime. (laughs) I think if you wanted to communicate or commune with them you would need to take them something mm-hmm. uh you would literally need to take a gift and you'd need to leave it on very particular very strict pretenses because again if it is a fay or a fay like being you don't want to be making deals with them that you don't know the details of so just a gift no deal just a gift goodwill and then if you're dealing with the things specifically deeper in the woods you would need more evidence. We would need more time there to pin down exactly what is back there. Because if some of the things that your brothers reported are true, then you're going to need to go a completely different way than if you're just dealing with a Bigfoot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like entirely different creatures. So, yeah, I had a couple ideas. I started just meditating on it some and thinking about what feels right. And music somehow there's like a tonal situation. And I, I was thinking possibly if we did like a tonal calibration among the three of us or whoever else wants to be involved that you trust Megan and we calibrate ourselves tonally through all of the the chakras. And it's, it's a process we could go through. It's actually pretty cool. And then once we get to that point, sort of like going into the next phase of maybe a ritual, if you're comfortable with that terminology, where we use a mantra or some kind of something that's repeated over and over again as a way to thin the space to make room for something to communicate. That's what came to me first. I have I have some other stuff too. I mean, we got a drawing board here. <laughs> that could get dangerous specifically if, one of the things that the whistling specifically is attached to was the one because if there's one you don't want to be communicating with you don't want to be drawing attention to it is that one tell me about what you think you know about that one 
you're in the Appalachian woods and something whistles. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. They're going to tell you you did or walk the other way. You don't acknowledge it. You don't look for it. There is a specific native legend that or native creature that goes along with the whistling. A lot of people don't like to say the name specifically because they think that it will draw its attention to them. So you're getting into religious traditions that we don't really have a lot of standing in. Understood. Well, I also think definitely an offering and full disclosure, Megan, I told my latest interview about this. I didn't use any names or locations or anything. And he's a psychic and he works with a lot of weird shit. And I just said, what do you think? And he was like, gin, take them gin. (laughs) So I wrote that down, of course. And I feel like I'm going to go that route if you're cool with it and and bring maybe a couple of other things as offerings. So I I do think the offering route is is a good place to start. And I don't know, as far as the tonal ceremony or ritual, whatever you want to call it, I don't actually know, is there a way to not connect with the whistling thing? Or do we just have no power over that? Stephanie? They travel, they go where they want to go. But the good thing about those, as Megan, I'm sure can attest, when you're out in the woods and everything gets quiet, you know, there's a predator around. They are creatures that go where they want to go. And if the woods gets quiet, it's a predator. So you're going to know that those things are around before they are. So you could take precautions against it. You couldn't be 100%. But that's anytime you go in the woods. You can walk out in the woods. And it's not a zero chance you're going to see a bear. But it's a very unlikely chance you're going to see a bear. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we table that one and see how it goes. (laughs) I do think another thing that I was interested in, just a bunch of stuff that came up was like dowsing rods. I felt like that was a cool place to do that. I do have SC session stuff and we could do that, which I, I know we wanted to do last time and we weren't able to do that. Megan, have you seen that before an SC session? I have not, no. So, yeah, I mean, it might be cool to have uh, Megan be the receiver. Absolutely. Yeah. Were you thinking what the same you're thing? Me too? No, it could be cool. It could be- <laughs> Nothing we can't get you out of. That's right. Well, let me just, that Stephanie can get you out of. <laughs> I will do my best, but Stephanie, uh, she's the leader of the pack, so to speak. So, yeah, SC session, dowsing rods. I. Also, Stephanie, I know you are a psychic and and I know that's not like what you do as your profession, but I'm wondering if we bring in someone who's really good at, you know, a psychic who's really interested in being on the land like that and communicating with entities. That would be fascinating. I think you'd have to be very careful with which psychics you bring in because the things out there are predatory, at least some of them are. And you want to make sure that it is someone who is not going to be food. Energetic food? Yes. All the food. All the food. Any of the food. That's creepy. <laughs> any of the food. We don't want any of the food. <laughs> Megan's like, mm. <laughs> Can I live here? <laughs> Again, <laughs> I live here. House. You fuckers. Nothing in the house. <laughs> and then I don't know, you know, I'm not one to mess around with Ouija boards generally, just because mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't ever really know. How, I don't know how to get myself out of them always out of that, that space. So I would need a a training session on that, but 
it did pop into my mind when I was thinking about this and, and using perhaps something in the woods as either the planchette or the board. Absolutely would work. Megan, how do you feel about Ouija boards? <laughs> that is something that has always terrified me. I've watched <laughs> enough of a haunting to know that you don't mess with them unless you know what you're doing. So I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I medium know what I'm doing and Stephanie fully knows what she's doing. I know what I'm doing. doing. <laughs> yeah. I also <laughs> thought of runes and creating our own smaller run- portals with runes, which is, you know, placing them on top of each other and sort of, I think the three of us would have to get a little bit more connected before we're able to do something like that. But it's a possibility to open up a thread into another realm method that a lot of people really like to use. Stephanie, I'm game. Anyone? Stephanie's like, I'll do anything. <laughs> Not anything, just most things. The tonal thing is something that would you be open to that after we had investigated a little further and got more comfortable with the space? Me? Yes. Both of you, actually. Sure. But Stephanie has no idea what I would be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. With a bit more investigation, I could see where that could be useful. I could also see where that could draw things in. Creating music in the woods as something safer at least to start off with, until we were certain what areas the whistling was in, because there are certain things I don't want to poke. Megan, those are the ones we should be very afraid of. Yeah, it's to say she <laughs> doesn't want to poke it. I certainly don't. Check. She's like, check, please. I like that idea. Megan, how does that feel to you playing some music out there? Fine with me. And I think it could definitely entice some things. And Stephanie, are you thinking about like bringing out a you know, like a phone or a a, boom, a jam box or something? Or are you thinking like instruments and voices? If we have people who can do the instruments and voices, sure. If not, mm-hmm. I think a phone will work just fine. Okay. <laughs> do you play the guitar or anything, Megan? No, not musically inclined. <laughs> I'm not much either. Although I do like to sing, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm going to do it by myself in the woods. <laughs> I do have a guitar though. I mean, we could try it. I can't play more than like three chords, so I could get boring very quickly. Maybe well, I don't we... know that you need full music, like full songs, so much as you need the sounds of the music at that point. That's true, and that's what I was going to ask. If we if we did use like a jam box and a and a iPhone or something, what kind of music do you do you think would be best? And maybe we should try more than one. Yeah, I would think so. Put on some Chance the Rapper and <laughs> some, some Enya. Try it all. <laughs> some country. Yes, the whole gamut. I mean, I, I, I like that idea. Megan, is that sitting well yeah. with you? Yeah, I think that'd be fine. All right. Well, did I miss any major weird shit that's happening out there? I think that's most of the, most of the crazy. Do you feel comfortable with us like doing this you know within the next few weeks coming out there and trying something yeah I think I mean I don't think it's gonna make anything worse so yeah that's fine with me (laughs) and how about nighttime do you think at some point I don't think the next time should be but at some point (laughs) we could try to be out there at night would that would that be too freaky for you no that'd be fine I don't think it'd be any worse why what's already happened you know why are you laughing (laughs) stephanie (laughs) i don't think it'll be any 
more dangerous was the original conclusion of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not during like deer season or anything, I think it'd be fine. Yeah, that would not be good. Yeah. We Don't want to add guns on top of everything else. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, I think this is really interesting. And I'm I'm curious if like we'll figure out if there is a correlation between what's happening on the farm and what's happening at the distillery that you work at. And and if there is just in that general vicinity, multiple train stations, so to speak, where people and entities are coming in and out of existence again, so to speak, does it feel like that distillery has a similar feel to the farm? The distillery specifically feels very much like during the day you can have it at night it's ours get out Mm -hmm. it is incredibly territorial it is incredibly welcoming during the day but as soon as that dust starts to fall that place feels wrong that makes sense gives me very much like stepford wives vibes like everything's fine everything's lovely don't look behind the curtain like Mm -hmm. point pleasant Mm -hmm. yeah it's very much like that you experienced that there as well at point pleasant megan Yeah, it was like, oh, it's, you know, very interesting, very beautiful, very cool. Leave. And that reminds me of Somerset, Kentucky as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, Megan. I'm thinking about Somerset. Tell me. (laughs) I lived in Somerset for a little while and I left Somerset. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, man. Okay, tell me. Tell me why you left. Again, everything's lovely. Everything's fine. Look at this beautiful little community we have. You're not welcome here. Mm. And it was just like really weird things. It was very weird people. No offense to anyone from Somerset, but it was just the vibes were not good. There's this. I never felt like I was welcomed in. It was like, you're just an outsider. You can't, you can't know the things that we know. Something about Somerset. I gotta go. (laughs) I got to go. I got to go. I, I'm behind. I got to catch up with you guys and go to these places that I haven't lived near for so long. There's a paranormal museum there. I mm-hmm. want to go to that. Yeah. Field trip. Let's make that happen too. Megan, would you, have you been to that paranormal museum? Yeah. Me and Stephanie went with me. Nice. Well, I, there's this TikToker on uh, TikTok and she is from, she lives in Somerset, Kentucky. Somebody sent me this TikTok and they're like, haha, so funny. She's she's from Kentucky and she's got all these like hilarious TikToks. And I looked and it said she's in, she lives in Somerset. So I'm going to contact her and see if the town really is a cult. She's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it really gave off that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm excited to go. All right. Well, I feel like the next step is to schedule a time for us to come out there and try maybe just the music and an offering or two. And maybe just go to like that. You said the pond, Stephanie, was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe go out there. We didn't go to the pond last time. Yeah, we didn't. And um, I feel like there was somewhere else we didn't go that we wanted to go. Where else was, is there another hot spot on the property, Megan? I mean, we didn't make it up to the explosion site, which I know is potentially an interesting place. Yeah, maybe we could try Um, an Estes up there. All right, so no tonal connection ceremony (laughs) and no Ouija boards yet. We'll just do some music (laughs) 
and we'll do some, maybe a little bit of Estes and we'll do an offering. Yeah. Megan, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this weirdness. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Glad you all are finding things, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Glad I'm not crazy. All right. Well, uh, thanks Megan for, for coming on and Stephanie, thank you too. You have been on there here many times. I always lasso you in the shit. <laughs> you do. Weird, huh? I gave this episode to my audio editor and she responded back by saying something like, This episode had so much unusual interference, and honestly, I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. It's not uncommon for me to experience spooky technological glitches when it comes to interviews in real time, but this is the first time that my editor has mentioned something so unusual that doesn't have an easy explanation. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. There is definitely something about this farm, and maybe just talking about it kicked some stuff up, I'm not sure. Megan was zooming in from the farm. I don't have an explanation for it, but we will keep tabs on all the weird shit that happens, and I will definitely keep you updated on what's going on on the farm. What do you think about our next step ideas for the investigation? If you have any ideas, please let me know. Maybe we can have an interactive ritual at some point. I don't know. And if you have any intuitions about what's actually going on on the farm, email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking. I love it when you guys email me and tell me your ideas about similar experiences that you've had or just ideas that you've got for further investigation. So I'm all ears. We are trying to get to the bottom of this. Stay tuned. All right. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Thank you for following The Woo with me today. If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow The Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 